0: And now, your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I have a treat for you. This is Tell Del Tuesday, so we have one of our guests coming on here today. But in the past, and in most times that I have people on here, most people in general, as a general rule, are externally motivated. That's been my experience since I was a kid. And whether the external motivation is I want a million dollars or I want to drive a fancy car, I want a nice house, or the external motivation is something as wonderful as I want to give back. Or I'm externally motivated that I want to, you know, share something with my kids, um, which is You know, I want them to be successful, whatever it is. I have yet in my life to meet very many people that are internally motivated. The guest we have today, this young lady, she is one of the most internally motivated people that I've ever met in my life. And I don't even know if she knows what that means because I've never had this discussion with her. But to me, what that means is she is psychologically and emotionally totally contained within herself. And is not pushed around by, nor motivated by, or changed by anything out there in the fast, furious world of I want, I need, I gotta have type world. So with us today, and I'm very excited to share this personality with you over the radio today, is Sarah Eastler. And Sarah, they say you're now living up in Maine somewhere?
2: You got it. I got it. Mountains and ocean side by side, can't go wrong with that.
1: How did that happen? I mean, every time I talk to you or somewhere else
2: <laughs> i know i know well my my husband was in the Air Force for a period of time, so we did have to travel quite a bit for his career. But my husband is originally from Maine, and it was time for him to come home, so to speak and the pandemic really changed everything for for so many people and it was a pandemic that was a catalyst for him to be able to, to come home. So,
1: Wow. I know that you're, you're probably just breaming to want to attack what I just said about you, but let's go into it a little bit. Um, how do you see yourself as being so internally motivated? Because you seem so contained, so totally within yourself. You know what you want. It's all there. You get whatever you want. You do whatever you want. Um, but there's no... Outward extremism at all that I see from you. How do you live your life that way?
2: Well, I think part of it is just personality. Um, you know, they say that personality is something that's not, not something that's completely changeable throughout your life. And for me, I was always the kind of person where as soon as I realized this was one of my values, I had to live it. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. I couldn't uncover a value and then not translate that into action. So I tend to be pretty intentional about what I do and what I say. <laughs> and, and everything that I do and say in my life is tied to one of my core values. So I, right. I don't know any other way of being.
1: Well, that's a good start. Let's work through it. Let's talk about what um, was a core value or a belief or a desire internally that you decided way back, was it 2016, or before when you joined up lifestyle? So you've been around forever, 2015. Um, yeah. Way back when I first met you and everything, you, were, you had your own approach, you had your own pace. I, I really thought you had a, a self-contained pace to you. You knew what you wanted to get done and you got it done. So let's start with what motivated you um, or what stimulated you to decide to look into real estate investing in the first place? Let's start at the very beginning.
2: Yeah, so there were, there were a lot of factors that went into that. Um, one is that, you know, I grew up fairly poor in Maine, in the middle of nowhere. But the one thing that my mom always made sure that we had was a house to live in. So she would spend money to buy. So I was always the new kid in the neighborhood, in the ugliest house. <laughs> and my mom would spend one to three years sort of fixing up the house, and then she would sell it and we would move. So she was a house flipper before flipping was a thing.
1: <laughs> wow. That's so an I interesting story. Up, yeah,
2: so I grew up seeing this model in practice, and she made money off of every single house. But... You know, it was it was really challenging to always be the new kid in the neighborhood, in the <laughs> ugliest house or the haunted house, you know. <laughs> and then as soon as we would leave, as soon as I made connection, um, it would be a gorgeous, restored house. But so she was doing it herself by hand. Um, and one of the things that occurred to me growing up is that a house is really important to who you are. As a kid, you know, you feel like, oh, I can have people over, or you feel like, no, I don't want anybody to see my house. Like, it's it's a disaster construction zone. I'm really embarrassed about it. So, um, you know, so there's sort of this emotional connection that we have to our housing, and we see this all the time in our country, because a lot of the laws that are handed down have more to do with emotion than they do to logic. <laughs> So this is one of the obstacles and hurdles that landlords often have to face. But, um, but yeah, so for me, I sort of, I saw the model from my mother's side of things, doing everything herself, never having help, you know, and it worked. And I was so grateful that she was always able to provide housing for us. But at the same time, a lot of my childhood, I, I was always sort of embarrassed and humiliated To have the ugliest house in the neighborhood, so so there was that.
1: Every time I turned around, Sarah, you were doing something new. You always were doing something interesting for yourself. So when you started, you know, being born into the rehab world as you were, uh, this single-family house stuff was pretty easy for you, I take, huh?
2: A multifamily. That was my very first purchase. Okay. And then after I bought that, I started. I also bought two single-family the same year.
1: Let's start with the 10 unit. What prompted you to buy that? Where was that located at and how did that work out for you?
2: So it was great. Um, I, you know, I, I always recommend that people take their education seriously. I think there's this myth in our country that you're done with high school, you're done with college and, and you don't have to educate yourself again. And that is just false. Like we can't, we can't coast through life, um, we have to always be learning because the environment is changing and the truth is school doesn't teach us a lot of what we need to know to be successful in life, to be able to do what we want to do. So, um, so I did a lot of education. I was, I took that very seriously at lifestyles and, um, and then started applying it because really the, the best way is to jump in <laughs> and and, um, start applying it hands-on. So um, the 10 units that I bought, it was a great experience. It was um, like good quality 1980s brick buildings, but they the previous owners had not put any money in for, I want to say, 10 years. You know, there had been no upgrades, no renovations. I think we still had some of the avocado green stoves and stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. So, so it was actually pretty easy to go in and do um, lighter upgrades. So I, and so this was my sort of conservative model is I would go in and of course, everyone in the lifestyles community is extraordinarily generous. So I, I bought these and had paint colors and, oh, here's the, here's the model that we're using for appliances and this is why we like it. And, here's the backsplash we've been really happy with kind of a thing. So um, I would, I would test it out in one unit and maybe do a partial reno- renovation and place a new tenant and see how that went. And if it went really well, the next time I would do like three quarters renovation. And if that went really well, then I do the full renovation, which I did in all the others. And um, it worked out really well. I, I even had, Tenants at one point who said, You know, we grew up here and this was the neighborhood that nobody wanted to live in. And so they said, We're like, we can't believe that we're so happy living in this beautiful place that's affordable, you know, and raising our kids here. And I thought, Wow, like that really says a lot because. What lifestyles taught me is you're not. It's this. Is, there's no win lose situation. You're not trying to take advantage of people. You're you're going in and you're correcting um, what hasn't been upgraded. You're you're fixing and improving things, <laughs> and it's it's a win win for everybody, for the community, for the residents, for the owner. And so I really I really like that, and I really appreciated that. Because I knew from my experience how important it was to be able to have family over for Thanksgiving, to be able to have a friend over after school and not feel embarrassed about where you live.
1: You've taken the wind out of my sails with what you've just said (laughs) because I was going to ask you a question. I'm still going to ask you the question, but you've answered it already. And I want to just make it a little go a little deeper, and that is this. As you went through that beautiful thing of, renovating a property and seeing what it meant to the community and what it meant to the family living in there. But then realizing that your property now is worth a lot more money and you probably raised your rents, I would assume. So the question was going to be, and I think you've already answered it. Did you get more pleasure out of the personal satisfaction of seeing what you've done for the world? Or more personal satisfaction out of the fact you just made yourself some good money doing it
2: <laughs> yeah so I actually think that they're tied together to me they're inextricably linked because and, and this is actually something that you had said Dell, was if you want to make more money you need to be able to provide value to more people and that really resonated with me because So, so many times people don't really understand, you know, how, how do you get money to line your pockets, but, but really there are opportunities everywhere all the time because humans have needs everywhere all the time. So roll up your sleeves, get good at fulfilling one of those needs and the money comes as a result when you're, you know, when you are providing people with services that they need. And, you know, good, safe, clean, affordable, beautiful housing, this is something that people are always going to need. That's just never going to go away. (laughs) Maybe post-zombie apocalypse. But, um, you know,
1: Now, post the zombie apocalypse, you'll see people leaning two sticks up against each other and sitting inside of it and calling it a house. I mean, there's housing is one of those needs that never go away. Exactly. You answered the question the exact way I thought you would. So, like I said, you took the wind out of my sails. I knew that you have a once once you made the statement, it's a win win situation. I knew that you got it. It's both, and you did a wonderful job. We're going to take a little break right now. We're going to be right back with Sarah and the Del Wamsley Radio Show in just a moment.
0: to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wonsley Radio Show returns in moments.
1: There is a dream killer here somewhere today. You're gonna run into somebody that's gonna tell you this stuff doesn't work. Like Vinette said, it's a scam. This is probably a multi-level marketing program. Somebody is gonna tell you it doesn't work because you're the wrong race the wrong age, the wrong sex, the wrong sexual preference, the something or other, that this is all set up so rich people can be successful and all you poor people can't. And if you believe that, they've won. But if you don't, you win.
2: Don't believe the dream killers? Start winning today with the Lifestyles Unlimited free workshop. Get the knowledge you need to replace your income in two to five years and then find out how to take action. Register for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com.
0: You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now, your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back
1: to the Dell Bombsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Sarah Eastler. And Sarah currently lives up in Maine, but ever since I've known her, she's been somewhere different every time I call her on the phone to speak with her. So, Sarah, what I'd like to do is because we're trying to get as many different types of stories out there as possible. One of the unique parts of your story is the fact that you did this stuff kind of like on the run. It's <laughs> like, okay, hey Dell, I'm doing this right here. Oh, I'm moving again, boom, and I moved and you changed and I sold this and I refinanced that. And your stories were always changing. It was always interesting. Can you kind of just run us through the timeline? Because I um I don't want to get hung up on any one story too long to not get across the point. That you, even though you had to move around, were still able to build a real estate business. Can you kind of share that for us? How you did that?
2: Sure. So, so my very first ten units that I purchased, I purchased them as I was moving from Houston to Greenville, South Carolina. So, um, so it coincided with my move. But this wasn't, you know, it wasn't a market that I knew intimately well. I knew it well on paper, and I knew the asset really well because of my inspections and everything that I'd learned at Lifestyle. And I felt confident that I could apply the model there, and it did work for me. Um, When I sold it, there was a 55% return um, just on the sale. And the other thing that I told myself was, I want to apply this right away and as quickly as possible. So the same year that I bought the tenplex, I also bought two single-family. And I told myself in the beginning, if I find a good deal, I'm going to go for it, and it doesn't matter to me if um, you know if it's within an hour or so drive from my house. So I was going to go further away um, to find what I felt were sure things. So then I ended up purchasing two, two, two single-family, my first two single-family to renovate, and then over the years, I kept buying, you know, a few more houses. I would get rid of something that was really far away. Um, and I also bought, is it 20 units or 12? I bought my first 12 units also um, that I ended up doing a 1031 exchange on just two years later. And um, I purchased a property that was newer, um, going for about three times as much as my original purchase Uh, property. But um, I had very little new cash in that deal using the returns from my 1031 exchange. So that was amazing to be able to level up in that way so quickly.
1: Gotcha. So for those of you listening, what she's actually saying is she sold one property for an amount of money that gave her enough money to buy one three times the size uh, because of the profit from the first property. And you really, as we're going through this, you're not throwing out a bunch of numbers. So I guess we'll circle back around next segment, and we'll talk about some of the numbers. But you were getting positive cash flow off the 10-plex, your first deal, right?
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that I liked about Lifestyles was learning about, was learning about, Accounting, um, because accounting does look just a little bit different for um, for multifamily and for properties than it would for say like a, a different business. But um, but yeah, so I mean, I've I've never lost money on a property, <laughs> and um, sometimes I'm very pleasantly surprised at um, how much the return has been. One of the most amazing experiences that I had was um, it was a first or second single family home that I had purchased and um, I renovated that and within three to four months I was sitting at a closing table basically having my house refinanced and they gave me a check at the closing table and in that short period of time I had created enough value in that home with the renovations that I did to get back 70% of, you know, everything that we'd put in. So that was the very first time that I sat down at a closing table and had the bank hand me a check (laughs) (laughs) tax-free, which um, the first time I remember that you told me you could do that, I was like, that doesn't make sense. How can you do
0: that? (laughs) And then I
2: sat at the closing table and I thought, okay, I, I really get this is amazing and having that cash back allowed me to go and buy another single family home uh, plus it, it actually increased the profit from the house because um, you know we only had like 30 percent of our original cash in the deal so all the money that you're making uh, you know the return becomes greater because you have less money in the deal so it was that was a really amazing experience for me, and my daughter decided that she was going to invest a thousand dollars of her money in that house. It was her very first investment, and so she received quarterly statements. and It was so much fun to be able to um, teach the model to my child.
1: How old was she at so the time?
2: She, I think she was fourteen. <laughs> Yeah, she was thirteen or fourteen, but she got it. And you know, she would hear um, the radio show, and she would go to case studies. And, and I was also an ambassador for a while in South Carolina, so she would hear me talk about it. And she was just like, "Mom, how soon can I invest with you?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's good
2: stuff. So yeah, and I, you know, I remember looking over her statements one year and just saying, "Honey." You know, your return on this property has been like 124%, you know? And and we hadn't even sold it yet. And so she was just like beaming, you know, like, wow, how soon can I have my own Lifestyles account?
1: <laughs> I think you ruined yeah. her for savings accounts, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, she's she's in college now and she is saving because she wants to be able to have that nest egg to invest when she's able to next. So yeah, that's exciting.
1: So I'm just, I'm gonna spit wad some stuff here. Uh, Hope you don't mind. It's unsanitary and COVID is gone now so we can do these things again. But you've got four houses here uh, where you've got $361 a month cash flow $350 350 dollars a month cash flow 360 dollars a month cash flow three thirty dollars a month cash flow so that's uh, about fifteen hundred dollars worth of cash flow altogether if I had this up right that's six seven about fifteen hundred so you had either the 10 unit at one time or the 12 unit at another time and I think you even had another one other, other than that we haven't got to yet um, what was the, the the best cash flow position you were in do you remember how much you were making a month cash flow wise all together tie it all together.
2: Mm-hmm. Actually, that's probably right about now, which is about thirty thousand, thirty to thirty-five thousand a year, right now, and that's, with with our current investments. Which is wonderful because the that money from real estate it's essentially tax-free, so it's like earning a larger salary. where you have to pay taxes and and all of that, and it's actually been perfect for me because I'm about to transition to a master's program, but I don't have to work.
1: Where was your husband in all this? Was he supporting you? Was he not supporting you? Were you investing your money or both of your monies?
2: I was investing our joint funds. Um, I created like a sort of like a family LLC that I could end up putting in a trust for my children. But um, my husband was so Hands off, I mean, it was really all up to me that I would, for almost every single closing where I was purchasing or selling a property, I would have to get a limited power of attorney because he wouldn't even show up to the closing table. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say he's not unhappy with the results because I more than tripled our net worth since I started in 2016 buying my first piece of real estate. And, as a result of that, you know, we're able to put our daughter through one of those outrageously priced fancy colleges. <laughs> and we still have one point three million invested in real estate, um, which, that's a huge amount to have invested in real estate, considering where we started from.
1: Let's talk about the fact you sold everything. Okay, here we go. We're running. We're, we're jumping. We're shooting. We're making money. Tell us about that moment.
2: Yeah. My, so this was sort of a pandemic-related decision where my husband really wanted to move back to Maine. Um, we had both lost our fathers within like a one-year period, and we both only had our mothers left. And besides the fact that he really wanted to return to Maine, um, the pandemic gave him the ability to work from anywhere. And his mom was here and he wanted to have as many good years as possible with his mom. So I said, let's do it. And since all my properties at that point were completely stabilized, I still commuted back to South Carolina and none of my contractors even knew And I would just make sure that when I was there, you know, residents saw me, my contractors saw me. Um, So I had this great system set up where I could manage my stabilized properties from afar. I would never do that with a renovation, but I had close, trusting relationships with all my contractors, and it worked out great for a period of time. And then my last trip was, you know, at the closing table. So, yeah. And for my, for my apartments, I had an average 55% return uh, just from, from purchase price to sale price.
1: I want to make clear, that's just the capital gains on the deal. That's not the cash flow exactly. from the
2: deal. Exactly. Okay. Just the capital gains. It does not include all of the tax incentives and breaks that we had. It doesn't include the cash flow.
1: So now you've sold out. You've gone passive. That's your new approach. Uh, so you can go back. What is it, explain to people the feeling to know that at some point in your adult life that the kids are, they're out of the nest, you're going to take your life back and you're going to go do what you want to do, study what you want to study, totally for self-gratification and internal motivation. What does that feel like to have that ability? And you only have 30 seconds to tell me.
2: Yeah. (laughs) It's freedom, and it's freedom that I never felt I had when I was a kid, you know, so um, money is not good, money is not bad, money is what you make of it, but money, no matter what, buys you freedom, and um, you get choice, and you get time, and there's nothing more valuable than that, because life is precious, and it's short, so being able to do the things that you love the most is invaluable.
1: Well, Sarah, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing that with us because you have probably changed somebody's life out there that's just like you. For the rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money. It's that lifestyle. It's that freedom she talked about. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.